All right, guys. So, what's the best way to cook a steak? Uh, all the way through. <laughs> uh, well done with ketchup. Gordon Ramsay tell you to make it. That's the correct way, right? What does he say? Uh, mid rare is the only way. Agree, but like, do you have a preferred technique to get it to mid rare or not? Uh, well, he's. I think it's just like uh, the uh, butter, which you have to baste it, and then you have your aromatics. And that's pretty much it. You can don't have it. Yeah, and pan fried, yeah. Okay. Like skillet. I kind of like the Ruth's Chris where you get your sear and you baste and you baste and then you pop it in the oven at super high temp for not very long and it gets it nice and... See, I do the reverse sear where you cook it at a really low temperature for a long time until it gets tooth tip medium rare and then you throw it in the pan for like a minute and get popping hot pan and sear it and it's ready i thought you were a sous vide guy oh yeah sous vide a super low temperature though either that or you can do it in the oven what are your aromatics just like whatever herbs you have herbs but i don't even typically use those i just use salt pepper butter interesting so what is your gut? What is your cut of steak that you usually cook or order? I mean, my favorite is ribeye. Has clearly has the most flavor. Caleb is an anti-textualist. Texture texturist. I mean, I get the fact that fillet has a nice texture, but it does not taste as good. I just don't like the filet because it's so small. Yeah, that too. It's like dumb. Y'all never had Regus filet then, I take it. R.I.P. Regus. All right, what's your what's your go-to sides dishes for a steak? That's a great question. Thank you. I mean, for most of my life, I would have just gone baked potato, but I don't do that quite as much these days. As I used to. Twice baked potato is good if you have to have your starch, but some baked asparagus is quite asparagus good. Asparagus is great. Asparagus yeah. is the way to roll. Did we hit on temperature of steak? Mid rare. Rare. Mid rare. Yeah. Lincoln, what do you think? Sometimes the fattier steaks, like the ribeye, can use a little bit more than mid-rare, but I still shoot for mid-rare. Steak is nice. Yeah, there's a couple, uh, a few times, I'm not a real big steak person when I go out to eat, like, I always try to, like, order stuff differently, but, uh, the few times I have ate at steakhouses up here, I've really enjoyed, like, the sweet baby carrots as a side dish. It's fantastic when you get it with some teriyaki chicken. I've never had it with a steak. Yeah, I don't know if I ever had it with steak, but yeah, it's like super sweet. It's almost kind of like a the brown sugar on carrots or something. It might not be brown sugar, but it kind of t- has that taste. Right. 
Yeah, I'm kind of to the point now where I don't like ordering steaks at fancy places because they're too expensive and I can make them just about as good at home. Yeah, that's a, one of my friends um, used to say is like he never orders anything that he thinks he can cook good at his house. So it's like he always orders things he knows he can't cook. Yeah, just like way too complicated. What a humble What a humble brag by your friend. Good God. Shout out to Nick Pemberton. Uh. Oh, hey, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't go to a restaurant and order a Hot Pocket. I mean, yeah. I don't know. No. I kind of agreed with because, like, I mean, I I don't cook at all. Like, I'm probably the worst cooker my age of anybody. But I can cook a decent steak because it's so easy. And you've more or less just followed the Gordon Ramsay how-to basically every time, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you watch like a 30-second TikTok and you just repeat it. <laughs> Something funny, Caleb? I just think it's, I didn't know there were recipes on TikTok. Oh my god, food TikTok's huge. Is it? We are 35. What is what is TikTok? Oh my gosh. Well, it's amazing. It's a very good tool. Um, but you know, is it going to spy on me. Sure, why not? Oh, it seems my internet connection has befuddled me again. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was actually your background. It is. I'm lost in the dark, dense woods. I can't imagine why. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, this podcast is going off great. Yeah. Are we recording? Yeah. I think so. Oh. <laughs> good, thing, <laughs> good thing we had a bye week this week. Yeah. No, I don't, don't remember a thing. Didn't have a manic episode after it at all. Yeah. So, what do we think about UTSA? Okay, we got to talk about Florida. Uh, <laughs> we have to talk about Florida, right? We, we mean, we don't. Do I don't see any guns to anyone's head. We have to. We have to. All right, because Kyle. we we okay. all we all left last episode saying we would. Every single one of us said we'd win. Yeah, but that was for comedic effect. I don't think we so. Stand our audience. <laughs> no. All right, Kyle. Talk about Florida. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that it was very bad, obviously. Um, my concerns concerning what we talked about last episode, my concerns now are legit on like, you know, I think I was a four concern last week. Now I'm probably like at a seven or eight with uh, the way we're heading, especially for this season. I think long term. With the hypo program, I think we're okay, and I'm still excited. But this season, bro, it will be an amazing coaching job for like nine and three. But I'm looking at eight and four, seven and five. I'm looking forward to heading back to Jacksonville, see some people at the end of the year. Gator Bowl's treated us nice, something like that. But I feel vindicated in my creeping dread, even after the first game. There's just something. Yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> Don't feel good all together, though. Obviously, uh, just there's something fundamentally wrong. 
okay. I, I agree with Kyle mostly here. I'm concerned. I don't. I don't know if our problems are like so bad that we're doomed to seven and five or not. Maybe we are, but like. So you're concerned that you may, concerned that you may need to get stitches, but not concerned that we may lose the leg. We might lose the leg. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we, I mean, like, this is going to sound like the most cheapest, cheapiest thing in the world, but, like, we played pretty good in the second half. Like, yeah, we just decided to run the ball every play. (laughs) We sure keyed in on that, all right. Oh, that's true. I mean, our offense, obviously, we didn't score, but we moved the ball to, like, the red zone pretty good in the second half. Yeah, it was a lot like the Auburn game in 2014 where we operated between the 40s. I think, for me, the concerning thing was, like, you know, obviously, coming out of this, most of the heat was on Joe Milton and maybe the offensive line, but I was really just shocked about how our – elite defense just did not show up and um just like it really didn't you know even when they were clearly pointing it out on the broadcast where when we they had a wide receiver go in motion like our linebackers just did not follow them and we just were not passing people off on motion at all and they were having like eight to 12 yard catches super easy you know and i just was like what what the crap's going on there so, yeah, I think uh, Milton was an issue. The O-line was an issue, obviously, but the defense was horrible. And, like, the Haddon uh, bumper car tackle where he kind of, like, went and kind of tramp- the guy trampolined off of him for a long run, I think that was almost the play of the game because we had the momentum, and then it was like we were shell-shocked from there. I've never seen a tackle attempt like that before. Yeah, he I didn't. Literally- if- trampolined off of him well yeah like it didn't register in real time it was only after that i went back and looked that yeah it was like zero effort not to mention the fact that he somersaulted trying to reach for his ankles on the rundown like it was just it was pitiful yeah Everything it, it was pitiful. I mean, do we? I I think there was some talk today that they don't tackle a whole lot in practice. I would say most teams don't. Yeah, most I teams. I mean, I don't pretend to know much about football, but but how, how well, do you tackle in games if you don't tackle in practice? How do you teach that that fundamental? I do think that um, just thinking about, and I've heard that a little bit where on another show they were talking about how like a lot of teams are really, really looking rough because there's a, you know, because there's a new way of doing practice. And it, this might be the new college football where every team is really rusty for the first month. And we really don't see how good or bad a team is until the second month. Rusty. 
well, like when it comes to like tackles, you know, because they're just like they're just they're just non-contact in like spring spring ball and fall camp. It's week three. I didn't see is like, but it isn't. I I think that I don't think that's a Tennessee exclusive issue though. I think that might be a college football issue. No, I I didn't see. Well, (laughs) trying to think about Georgia, trying to think about. What I saw of Alabama, what I saw of LSU didn't seem to have trouble tackling. I mean, all right, well, what a, I mean, yes, it was bad. I'm sure plenty of other teams are also terrible, too, because you don't internalize when bad things happen to other teams quite like you do when it happens to us. Well, that's for sure. Um, well, so I just want to mention we did have one highlight in the game, and that was the Tennessee fan who stormed the field. Yeah. Props to that guy. I heard that his that his actual thing, his actual punishment was he's not allowed to go back to the swamp for three years. Yeah. <laughs> I heard someone say, well, Tennessee's been going on that field for 11 years, and they keep getting invited back. Well, <laughs> <sighs> oh. If spending a night in the Alachua County Jail gets you some reputational cred, I think that guy came out all right. I know for a fact that we contemplated going down there, and this exact scenario popped into my mind, and I am so glad. Oh, my God. I don't know that I'll ever go. I don't know. I I think we'd have to win five in a row or something like that. I will never go down there. All right, let me let me play a little uh, pause of all here. Is I'm not saying we would have won, but <laughs> I think imagine the referee doesn't kick the ball on the fourth down spot, and we get that fourth down score, and then imagine our Tight end McCastles doesn't get the blindside block that ruins that drive. You mean imagine that the things that typically go wrong in Gainesville don't go wrong? Just saying. The weird that I'm not blaming. I'm by the way, I'm not blaming the refs at all. I think we lost that game on ourselves at all. But does the does that change things if we get that fourth down and if that? Blindside block doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, of course it does a little. I don't know. Maybe we don't win, but I I think in that scenario they don't go to clock max clock drain offense. In that scenario, do we not fall for the dumbest thing in the world? <laughs> the <laughs> count on fourth and one. Yeah, the uh, the that offsides, bro. Oh, dear God. That was the only time in the game that I physically curled into a ball. Like, it it was painful. And what's his name? Uh, Herb Street's partner. Who's the the announcer, broadcaster? That would be Chris Fowler. Yeah. He was, like, so excited that we jumped off sides. He just could not believe it. Well, it's a program-defining win. It's a proof of concept win for the Florida Gators. 
a program that is here and we're well i mean it's just i mean as soon as we jumped off sides he was like oh my god i can't believe he fell for it. the oldest trick in the book no one ever does that but they obviously just did oh my god that was can you believe that herbie I can't, I can't. Everybody loves a gag, an obvious gag. And when it actually happens, I can't blame him. I can't either. It's the same thing as us laughing at kickers screwing up. So. Yes. Yeah. It is the best thing about college football. <laughs> yeah, it's not true. And the narrative on us is we are not very good and we're kind of stupid. All right, here's the here's a topic that kind of on that that I've heard in our vol fandom space is are you on the side of not waving the white flag and saying i want to keep the florida series so we can overcome this or you wave the white flag and say just get the series over with we'll see you once every four years no the wins over alabama my white flag i used to be a white flagger no i want alabama and florida on my schedule every single year i want alabama i do not care about florida what? So you're okay for the series to end? What? What? It means nothing anymore. It doesn't. Now that we're not at the top of the East, year in year out, it doesn't. What does it even matter? What? <laughs> Are you shitting me? <laughs> Producer, bleep that out, please. No. No. <laughs> You're saying that the Florida game means nothing? Okay, it's a little bit of hyperbole, the game, but the only one that I'm I'm willing to give it okay, up. Okay, I don't your word. So okay, I was actually shocked, Chris, that you're on this side. I was expecting you to be a white flagger. No, well, no. I mean, in the past, when I when I I had more or less come to the view that we were kind of like Nebraska. That that there was always the potential that something great could happen. That the the kitchen was set with the finest dinnerware. The the room is very nice. We have lovely plates and dishes. We have great a great kitchen. We just had no chef, and I was waiting for a chef to come in and turn us into something that we ultimately truly had the potential to be. And I thought that we had that with Josh Heupel. I'm not convinced that we don't, but yeah, in the past, I had more or less resigned myself to a lifetime of rooting for something that wasn't, isn't anything. Just it's just special to us. Now I realize that that's we we have our proof of proof of concept. We we can go and be a contender. We just not with this team, not with this group. Okay, Caleb, I, why I, why are you a white flagger? I mean, I guess I don't feel that strongly that. Yes, we need to give it up. I'm just saying, if it if it ultimately comes to pass that we don't play Florida every year, I'm not going to be. I don't really care that much. No, I think it means to it. It has been built into a thing that animates us more than the others. Because we lose every time in heartbreaking fashion. Yes, I agree. Well, I, I would love to keep the series i would love to move the series somewhere on the schedule or we catch florida at the end of maybe make it mid-october to mid-november i don't know just i don't like it being the first game 
Well, yeah, that every single year it's the one where we either learn, okay, we can actually do something, or it's the worst of all things. Because, I mean, here's the thing, like, uh, you look at our schedule. Now, I don't know what type of team we are, honestly, but, you know, you can flip a coin and we'll be 5-1. and one. Or you can flip a coin and we'll be, you know, have three or four losses. But there's a there's a good possibility we could end up being five and one here in a little bit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. But it's a good possibility. Loss. It's just a Florida loss takes your wins out of yourself so much. Well, yes. Uh, I suppose any loss. I mean, we would have lost to a lot of teams on Saturday. A lot of teams. Florida isn't great, but yeah, we we would have lost to probably twelve SEC. I mean, no, ten SEC teams. Well, that brings me to kind of in the same vein. Topic is like, do you think our performance Saturday at the Swamp? was due to our team being good, bad, ugly, or whatever, or was our performance strictly because it was at the Swamp? No, I think that the deficiencies have been there, and they were just magnified. So you think we would have had that performance at another SEC location? We had that performance literally a week ago with Austin P. Yeah. Because I just I've heard, I've heard some people say like alarming, but it's not that big of an alarm because it was just Tennessee at Florida, and that's what happens when Tennessee goes to Florida. It's the ultimate cope. I understand. I understand people want to throw on the cope blanket. It is cope. We are bad right now. Actually bad. Yeah. We yeah. are dysfunctional. Do what? I think Caleb was about to say something, I thought. Uh, I mean, we're not, Chris, you're being a little harsh, but... Hyperbolic, you might say. I mean, yeah, we probably would have lost to most teams, but again, this has fixed, like, a couple things, and we're, like, okay. We're not going to beat Bama and Georgia, but... Have you ever seen a team really get better on the offensive line? As the season goes along. Well, if we get our best lineman back, that might help. I mean, no doubt. But to what extent? I don't know. They were horrendous. Yeah, I don't know. Like, my heart wants to side with Caleb on this. My head is, like, siding with Chris on this. Where it's like, I I want us to clean up our... uh, offensive issues <laughs> you know it's like and i think it could happen but do i think it's gonna happen i think it that it's more of a we're gonna have those issues until we get new players in there but hopefully that's not true i'm worried it's a cultural problem oh I'm my gosh there's something deeper you know this was the most old school collapse in in the swamp this was this was '90s vintage '90s Tennessee collapse. Did we have cultural problems every year in the '90s? No, but I don't know why I said that. I said that just to say that. 
I'm, I'm, I'm venting. I'm furious. But it reminded me a lot of the South Carolina game last year, which I have no memory of. Did we have cultural problems? All, yes. All last year? In the South Carolina game, we did. That okay, whole so we have cultural weird. problems in individual games. We have cultural problems that manifest themselves more so than in other games, yes. I am a little concerned that that was the performance we had directly following a players-only call of meeting. Yeah. <laughs> you don't call a players meeting to say, hey guys, just to be remind you, let's play hard this week. Let's get on the same page. In week two. That. I think people... No, you guys are being ridiculous. <laughs> I think people are calling it a players-only meeting when it was probably just like a meeting that was like, all right, guys. What do you want Exactly what you said. Which is what you would want them to do. Exactly what you would want them to do. <laughs> Why does it need to be said? <laughs> Okay, but you would rather it be said than not said if we if we have problems. I think maybe that there was a communication issue this week because they were... <laughs> I would say that I, I was very highly encouraged, whether it be false hope or not, but I, that first drive where we were operating off our scripted plays was almost perfect. But it's like when we got out of our scripted play and got into the flow of the actual game calling and the play calling of that game. Ugh. So we can't make adjustments. Well, I mean, it like the style of our offense and you have Joe Milton, like, what was it, three or four times where we had the play clock almost run down on us and, like, Josh Heupel had to call a timeout. It's like... The whole point of our offense is like to go super, super fast. And we're sitting there with a play call or with a play clock just going down. Yes, because he's looking over to the line and the coaches are doing their. Alvin and Chickmunks? Yes. And for some reason, it takes way longer this year to get that rearranged than it did last year. Cooper Mays. Is that entirely Cooper Mays? What does a center do? Snaps the ball. He centers <laughs> us. Dead. He's our core. He's our center. Um, okay, I will say a caveat. I will be interested to see what it looks like when Cooper gets there, but the, there's something red in me that just... He went through practice all week, went through the warm-ups, went through the whole rigmarole of getting his picture taken on Twitter, and he's doing the resistance bands, and he's out there in gear. And then he's like, nah, coach. No, he was never going to play. This That was all just, I don't know why they did that. That's stupid in my opinion, but. Yeah, it's there's real no way he. It, there's no way he was ever going to play. I don't think he showed up and was like, nah, I'm not going to play. Yeah, I mean, even like the other show that we listened to and the two guys on there are saying, Hey, from what we're hearing from our sources, there's no way he's coming back before October. Yeah. And if you remember last week on this pod, I said, there's something fishy about the way Josh Heupel is talking about this. And I don't think he's going to play. He yeah. never said he is practicing. He said things like he looks good at practice. Yeah. And like, 
I feel like it's yeah. high school's version of like Bill Belichick, where Bill Belichick has everybody on the injured reserve, or like everybody's list is questionable. Like the entire starters are always questionable. You know, it's just some weird form of gamesmanship. Well, it's a good way to get your fans hard red assed when yeah. things go south. That's they- why. I, I do I do agree with that where it's like I understand Josh Heifel's playing gamesmanship on having Florida prepare for him or not prepare for him, but the pros and cons weighed against that versus pissing off an entire fan base on Yeah. <laughs> this is not a fan base to piss off. I mean, you freaking got Tony Basilio talking yesterday about, like, Josh Heifel could be getting fired in 2025 if he doesn't fix the offensive line issues. I mean, he's not wrong. I know. But, I mean, we're, we we lose one game, and we see the offensive line performance like that once, and we're already saying he's got to get this fixed or he's gone in two years. I don't think it's just that. We have a... We're getting data, and we're starting to see trends, and we are going under Hypel to lose a game that we are projected to win probably every year. Yes, as do like 90% of teams. Let's not forget that. Pretty much everybody loses as a favorite. Yeah. Listen to something before we popped on here, and they said like when Gus Malzahn went to – uh, UCF, he was like, wow, like Josh Heupel left an SEC caliber offensive line here at UCF. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 tr- I don't have too much doubt that recruiting will fix it over time, and certainly with the portal being what it is, I'm fairly sure these holes can be plugged, but this year is going to be just a, a more or less just data gathering. I would say one thing that I, I'm I'm data gathering here and saying I think last year was more about how amazing we're gonna we're we're learning how amazing Hendon Hooker was. Yeah. Versus like how amazing this offense I'm not saying the offensive system isn't great. I'm just saying I think we gave it more credit than we should have we should have shifted more credit just to Hendon Hooker being great. But he was, he was an okay quarterback at Virginia Tech, at best. Yeah. And even in his first year here, he was, he was pretty good, but he wasn't what he was last year. And we, I think, rightly attributed that to coaching and development. Yeah. I don't know how, how much different Joe is. I mean, I, I really don't, for some reason, I don't really feel like hating on Joe as much. The, the, like he he obviously that one interception was just <laughs> but uh, otherwise yeah there was some there was drops there were off time timing was off on some throws whatever he is kind of what he is at this point but I don't hate him I, I don't I don't feel I, I still think he's the best option that we've got and when he does op, when he does things like he did on the first drive then we can win a lot of games. Yeah, I don't think Joe's – I mean, he's not Hendon Hooker. He's not amazing, but 
we can win a lot of games. Yeah. With Joe, I think. He's like honestly probably middle of the pack SEC quarterback. In a year where they're not great. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying he's still better than like half the quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, you, you get on it, and this is one thing that's kind of scaring me right now, is like, from everything we've kind of saw, it's like Spencer Rattler is probably the best quarterback in the SEC, uh, and, yeah. and then like the dude from LSU, and then it's like everybody else, and everybody else is kind of in that same tier. Yeah. And maybe Alabama's below that tier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Ty? <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Yeah. Here's a... Would we... This is just looking forward in the season now. Like, do we really want to talk about uh, San Antonio this week? I mean, it is what it is. What... This is just curious. Would... Going forward, would you take, like, a 7-5, and 8-4 and four finish with Milton playing the whole season? Or... uh an eight and four to nine and three with Milton playing the whole season, or would you like to see uh, Nico start playing right now, but we wouldn't get to nine and three? I'll take the better record. For, yeah, yeah. Nico's going to be there for next year, regardless. So I'll take the better record. I would rather maximize Nico years as much as we can, even though best case scenario or. Saying that he, if he maximizes his potential, he's a three and done kind of guy, at best. So I would like to get as many years under the belt with him as possible because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but this whole roster is just seniors. Yeah. Next year is not going to be, I don't imagine, better than this one. I kind of think it will be. <laughs> Okay, let's let's say you, you, you really hit the portal well and fix the line issues and you learn to tackle, then maybe. But no, I would rather have the if it's if it means a better record. I appreciate that Joe has stuck around. For better or worse, that's uncommon and I would like to see that rewarded. Yeah. That bring what you mentioned that brings up a question I was kind of was thinking about too, is like I keep on hearing that we really do have some studs that are like sitting on the bench, even on the defensive side. But for whatever reason, our uh, defensive coordinator just do, does not like playing freshmen and sophomores. And he just, no matter what, he's going to play the upperclassmen. And we actually have like upperclassmen on the field with people that are better than them sitting on the bench, but they're just not going to get playing time until they graduate or get out there. Well, I would say if there's a cultural issue or there's chemistry issues, I would imagine that that's part of it, if that's true. If you're going out there and you're clearly better than the other guy who just happens to be a senior, then, yeah, I imagine that causes some... Yeah. That's your point. We're going to be better next year because we have better players. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking. Is like Maybe like our secondary slaw just graduates. Yeah. I mean, I assume that probably what they're thinking is our secondary is terrible. They really very rarely give up a uh, over-the-top long pass play. Now, they can't tackle, but 
they don't usually blow a coverage. That's probably why they play. I suspect our freshmen are likely to make more plays, but also more busts. So, I don't know. I would be fine with that that assessment. That sounds right. And I, I, I don't know what I would do. Obviously, I'm not a coach making millions of dollars. But if I was in that position, I kind of would know, hey, it ain't happening for us this year. But it could happen for us in the next year or two. So maybe kind of like making decisions this year based on just pre- developing the kids behind behind the scenes and getting them ready for next year. That's risky. I know. Very, very risky. I would like to see it in the secondary. I don't know a coach who would not put their best foot forward to win every Saturday. I don't I don't know if they're capable of that kind of tactical thing. I think you're really overvaluing coaches. Yeah, I mean, I don't I just I'm just trying to put myself in the thing where I I just feel like I would be there and be like, "Okay, we're not winning the national championship this year, but we probably well, we might have a chance to do it in the next two or three years. So let's operate this year as in preparation for the next couple of years. Coach Kyle, that's a good way to get yourself into a situation where you're getting a one-year deal. Yeah. There wasn't no – but I did – there was some team in Texas who did that last year. They, like, redshirted all of their, like, good players. Yeah, the Dillon Panthers. <laughs> And now this year they're it was like Texas State or some somebody I don't know. Now this year they're actually pretty good. They're the ones that beat Baylor. Maybe yeah, I don't know. I think they had a uh, Colorado style um, <laughs> turnover of the roster. Good morning, Matt. Good Hello, evening, Matt. <laughs> it's been Great. odd times, baby. All is well. Yes, finally. Let's see that face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Hard times, oh, baby. You Daddy. Perfectly lining up with the hair. This is great for our podcast listeners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Highly right. encourage you, you to watch. A game. What did I think? Yes. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Um... Chris, you said it earlier. You nailed it. This team has a cultural problem. Oh, my gosh. It does. Oh. Your quarterback's out there in, in pregame warm-ups doing photo shoots. And, and I, don't, I don't even know what half your secondary's doing. I mean, just undisciplined all over the field. But, oh, my gosh. I, Should I, him play a snap again? What? Should Kamal Haddon play a snap again? I mean, he had an interception, didn't he? So, if he can do that every time. Well, he had a a second game, I think he did. Spin zone. I haven't heard anybody make this take. Kamal Haddon was just sticking up for his guys at the end of the game. and Nobody else would do it. Agreed. No problem. Who, Haddon? Yeah. did Did he take a swing? He had his. They get closer than uh, some of his tackles. Squared. Balled up. Oh wow. I, I honestly I don't have I don't have a problem with what he did at the very end of the game. It's just the 
in between the plays stuff that I hate. Yeah, the the first snap to the last snap. <laughs> yeah. Although I recall him having like one play, I don't remember what that I went, "Okay, you to do it again." He made he made it I, well, he made like an amazing open field tackle that was pretty big at that time in the game. Like yeah. I think he's actually his skill set is okay if he can just like just not talk and not be animated at all. And tackle every time with with the body yeah lucky me <laughs> yeah the 76 yard run that he trampolined the dude into i i kind of hated him at that point he's the world t- uh, touch football champion you know <laughs> i mean he literally just like shoulder bumped the dude no he ta- he tagged him he was down it's true <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, I feel dumb for coming on here last week and saying what we'd win. That's. I mean, I'm embarrassed. Don't be mad. We did it for the gag. Yeah. We Something knew what like was going to happen. We knew what would happen. What was Graham Mertz's stat line like before halftime? He was like, what, 13 of 15 for all these like. Oh, we're we're back in business of uh, making slaw quarterbacks look like all Americans. Just like old times, Matt. It is kind of, it is kind of crazy when you think about like how many times Florida has won this game versus us when we're obviously yeah, no. when we're obviously the better team. But I would not say that we were the better team. We were higher ranked. I don't agree with the. Uh, criticisms that our defense played terrible though i mean yeah they gave up some big plays but they played terrible in the second quarter okay yes but they gave up what three points in the second half like they were running uh, florida didn't even run an offense in the second half his finger was hurt i just think our offense is so inept it's it's terrible yeah, I it and again, I don't think it's all Milton. I think it's a combination of it all. Because yeah. again, he, he didn't even try to run the ball until we were down three scores. I mean, you know, he hit another long ball in. A, he dropped it on a bucket in a bucket to was it Thornton? Uh, yeah, it was oh yeah, late in the game. Or yeah, the second half. Like yeah, he, that hit, was a he hit throw. like a player two later, but that long bomb was on a dime, and it just. And you know, Herb Street was like, "Hey, bro, you got to like jump up and try to catch that." Yeah. Well, there was one that he completed that was just an incredible throw. Like that yeah. was in the first drive, yeah. right? Yeah. I thought it was later in the game. Might have well, been the second half to one. Thornton, where he like the ball never got twelve feet off the ground. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. Just a it like went right past the cornerback's head <laughs> into. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen a parabola like that. <laughs> It was beautiful. Yeah, I can make those throws. I just don't know three of those throws a game. Yeah, and then he doesn't. His other eighteen throws are really bad. I just don't know if the combination that we have on the field right now can manage the flow of the offense in the way that it's supposed to be technically done. I haven't seen a whole lot of evidence of that doing it consistently. Yeah, we've thrown more bubble screens and little wide receiver screens the last two weeks than we have in all of Hypo's three years. Okay, 
that might be a great topic to end the podcast on is are we is our play calling the way it is because we don't trust our quarterback and or we don't trust our offensive line to protect the quarterback are yes, we giving a very 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 watered down version of the playbook because we don't trust our offense secret utsa playbook <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because they don't trust the offensive line personally. Like, honestly, obviously the interception was awful, but other than that, I didn't think Milton had, I don't know, many, I don't recall, like any bad throws really in the Florida game. But like, like you said, we're just calling this very vanilla. Offense. I mean, we're running, we're running wide receiver screens. Where there are three defenders and two wide receivers, like pre-snap, that and, and we're just oh yep, let's throw it out there. Let's see if Brew McCoy can take out two people at once. Well, he typically can, but yeah, well, he's great. But, but I mean, come on, what are we doing? Well, our offensive line can't block for three seconds to let us run like no, actual. Our quarterback can't make a decision in less than three seconds and get rid of the ball. I really don't think that's true. Were you even mad watching this game? Did you get <laughs> mad? Yes, I was like, very oh, mad. Oh, it's okay, guys. It's okay. Fifty-eight twenty-two. Flip it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just. Matt, I don't do you have any. Know how to snap and clear? No. Amen. I mean this this loss felt like the the old days of losing to Florida. Season's over. Nothing matters. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, I honestly like. Who are we going to beat in the SEC? Kentucky, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Texas A&M, Alabama. <laughs> Stop. Georgia. Caleb is pro Joe. There's no question about. I'm that. pro Vols. Okay, that's all I am is pro Vols, and y'all need to be too. That Alabama Tennessee game is going to be like nine to six. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Mm. Man, that's even. Are we so, going? Are we going to Alabama? Are we going to do a live podcast from Tuscaloosa? No, no. <laughs> oh, buddy, we are not. Maybe if you decide to fly down, no. you say I'm coming down. I was thinking about South Carolina or Georgia, but. If we were one Saturday, I would have been to South Carolina, maybe. Texas A&M, maybe get a little further down the line to see if we're it's closer to your birthday when you normally come. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll have a we'll hopefully we'll have a better idea of what we are. Thing is, in our looking at our schedule, I don't know that we really know we're going to get a really good sense of what we are for a while. Yeah, next year we will. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, see, this is the thing is like, is my is we might be up and down every like I don't even know if we'll get like this version of Tennessee this week and another version of Tennessee the next week. But I think every other team in the SEC is like that too. Like when we go into the South Carolina game, what version of Tennessee you're going to get is also going to be determined on what version of South Carolina you're going to get. Let's get second half Georgia South Carolina <laughs> would be my vote. I just don't know. I don't know. 
Like, I could see us going six and six now, but I could still see us going like nine and three. Who do we lose to there? Georgia, Alabama? Because I got news for you. We ain't beating Missouri. Now, <laughs> I think, I think the, the, I, I say we, I could see us now lose. I think we're going to lose to Georgia, obviously. I think we're probably going to end up losing Alabama. But I think that Texas A&M, South Carolina, freaking Kentucky is like iffy for me now. Depends on which version of Tennessee we get. I would say so. <laughs> yeah, that Kentucky game, that'll be a great game, though. God. Two evenly matched teams. That will be some Pruitt-Butch-era Tennessee-Kentucky. I just I, I want to be, like, I, I'm fine with us being 6-6 six and six as long as we beat South Carolina-Kentucky. The entire season, yeah, to me, comes down to South Carolina. I mean, that's really all we have left now is just that revenge. That's it. That is the beat of my heart. It is the thing that is driving my blood football-wise. Until it we is... went out and then lose to Vanderbilt and Georgia wins the SEC East. What? It would be hilarious, though, if we just ended up still being like 11-1 and 10-2 and just after what? the week. Not saying... I would not be laughing. I would be crying tears of joy. I would, I would enjoy that. Oh, man, what just... happens when like Cooper Mays does come back and we end up being like just a juggernaut of a team again? Everything is different. <laughs> I would, um, I would giggle quite a lot, and mea culpa on here. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. Yeah, let's get out of here. All right. All right. Any All final thoughts? Glad you were able to pop back in, Matt. Yeah, hopefully the people uh, got a better experience without me. Oh, no. (laughs) Never. All right, well, we ain't rich, but Lord, we're free, and we'll see you next week.